God has something wonderful that he want to share with us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. I'm, uh, Lord, I'm just uh, delighted to be your servant this morning. Holy Spirit, just come and minister. Lord, you see where everyone is in this place and you know what we need and where we are. And, and Father, you know and are aware, Father God, of the things that hinder us from achieving the full blessing that you have set aside for us. I want, Lord, there to be unhindered and unfeathered grace that is flowing through your people. Uh, that every single moment, every single day, God, that there, that there, that fresh water is being just, just, uh, Lord God, just coming out of them, Lord, rivers of grace, rivers of water, that joy is just, just engulfed in their hearts and minds, and they're walking in the joy and in the peace of God, and that you're revolutionizing and changing lives, Lord. This ministry, this church, is about changing lives, Father. I cannot do that by myself. I cannot do it at all, Father. It has to be the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Let there be a holy reverence at this moment for your word. As I decrease, that you might increase fully, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bibles turned with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. And I'm going to be again reading at verse, uh, verse number 4 through 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Amen. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, and that is that he pleased God. Uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, number one, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. We're going to talk about this morning. The title of my sermon is What Moves God? Every one of us, I am sure, we believe in God for something, whether it's a financial breakthrough or whether it's uh, we believe in God for great relationships in our marriages. Uh, we believe in God that our children will grow up and they will not be spotted by the world, that our children will serve God all the days of their life that our children are not waiting till they get in 40 and 50 and decide to serve God, but they will serve God from their youth. We're all believing that. Some of us, you may be believing God for health issues. You may have some, some health problem that you're just believing God for. Whatever the case might be, all of us are believing God for something. And the question is, 
then if we're believing God for something, how do I get God to move on my behalf? How is it that you get God to respond to you and to grant you your requests? Because I'm sure that you're praying and I'm sure that you're asking God for something. And many people have tried many different things by way of trying to get God to answer their requests. I mean, people have, you know, tried uh, manipulation and, you know, they've, um, you know, they've tried formulas. You know, uh, you know, you ever heard of the just name it, just claim it and just, you know, just do this little formula and it'll just work just like that. And people have tried all kind of things to get God to move. And, you know, and really, as you really think about it, it's just not that difficult. God has made it very clear in his word how how to get him to respond to your need. Some of us have tried to get God to move by having a pity party. Have anybody ever had a pity party? Felt sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this, it's this weird thing, and I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's part of that old fallen nature. That it seems like that the more that I make, uh, I feel sorry for myself, the, the more that I can just kind of wallow in self-pity, the more that I can just kind of just, you know, just call up my friends and just say, oh, woe is me. My life is terrible. Nobody cares about me. God, you know, you know, I don't know what to do. And, you know, and I used to think that there was some kind of spirituality in that. And here's what I discovered, that you can cry all you want to, that you can feel sorry for yourself all you want to. And I want you to hear this with all my heart because it's the Bible. But God, and I found, and I'm saying this because I personally have experienced it, where I've, I've tried to, to get God to move by feeling sorry for myself because, after all, the Bible says God is near to a broken and a contrite heart, right? But, you know, that's, not, that's talking more about a person that is broken and, and, and being convicted in their sin and wanting to get right with God. That has nothing to do with self-pity. But we use all these different things to try to, and somehow we think that we get God to move. Uh, there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 19, and you can read it in your spare time. Of how many of you have heard of Elijah? Elijah was a great man of God. Uh, back in those days, uh, Ahab was the king, and he was married to a lady named Jezebel. And the people of God in those days, they were into Baal worship. And Elijah was the prophet of God. He called him out. He said, look, you guys need to make up in your minds, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? You're going to serve Baal or you're going to serve God? And so he said, I tell you what, I want all 450 prophets of Baal. And I'm going to meet you at a certain spot that I'm going to tell you I'm going to meet you at. And I want all the people to come. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to lay uh, a sacrifice on the altar, bull on the, offering, on the altar. And, and you're going to lay your bull on the altar. And whichever God answers by fire, that will be the true God. And so Elijah get all the prophets together. Everybody gather around. And then the 450 prophets of Baal, here they are. They begin to just cry out. And, they be, and they're supposed to cry out to their God. And their God's supposed to answer by fire. So they're sitting there praying. And, and, all, day and, all, and uh, all day into the evening, and nothing was happening. And, of course, Elijah started making fun of them. and said, look, maybe your God is asleep. So finally they gave up. I mean, these guys start cutting themselves, doing all kind of stuff, trying to get God to respond. So finally they gave up. And then Elijah said, okay, my turn. Put the put his offering on the altar. And he says, do me a favor. 
Uh, you know, when you're about to make a fire, you, you know that usually you don't want water when you're trying to make a fire, right? Elijah says, okay, put, the altar, put, put my offering on the altar. So they put it up there, and he said, okay, do me a favor. Uh, I fill the whole thing of the trench with water. So they loaded that thing up with water. And, and, and if I'm standing, I'm thinking, something wrong with this brother. And he, he called out on the name of the Lord. When he called out on the name of the Lord, the fire of God fell from heaven, licked up all the water, licked up the sacrifice. All the people of God fell on their faces and said, whoa, you are the Lord God. And then he instructed them to kill all the prophets of Baal. Now, this is a great victory because he's just shown them who is the true and living God. You would think that having come off of that victory, that Elijah would be like excited, pumped. Like, boy, God just did a miracle. But he doesn't. You know what he does? Jezebel gets word of how Elijah killed all her prophets. And she says, by this time tomorrow, my life is going to be like what you did to my prophets. And so what does Elijah do? He runs hide in a cave, begin to wallow in self-pity. Well, how do you know he wallowed in self-pity? Because he said, "Um, I want to die. I mean, when you get to a point, you start asking to die, you're probably depressed. You probably got some issues going on. And so he's in the cave, and what God and God says, and the first thing God says to Elijah, He says, "Well, Elijah, why are you here? What are you doing here, Elijah?" Elijah said, "Well, the people of God ain't acting right. You know, uh, I keep tearing down the altar; they keep building them back up." You know, nobody want to follow you. In fact, I'm the only one. I'm by myself and I'm sick and tired of trying to get these people to do right. It's killing me. I'm ready to die. Kill me. And you would think God would say to Elijah, OK, Elijah, OK, let's talk about this. But, you know, God didn't even talk. To God, God didn't even entertain it. He's stuck. He's in a cave. He's thinking to himself, I'm ready to go. And God and God says to him, he, first question, where, where are you? What are you doing here? Secondly, he says, OK, I want you to get up. And I want you to go to Syria and I get, there's a king I want you to anoint. And you hear no more, no more else about it. You don't hear God sitting there saying to Elijah, OK, Elijah, it's going to be all right. Elijah, what's the problem? God, because as long as Elijah is stuck in a cave, God cannot do what he want to do in his life. And it, perhaps you may find yourself from time to time in a cave. You may be in a cave today. Where you're stuck in a cave and, 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 and you're just hoping that somehow that something is going to happen. And, and, and the reality of it is, is God is not moved by your self-pity. Because God cannot do what he wants to do in our life until we come to a place where we say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to get up by faith. And I'm going to press on even though this is hard. And so. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 33 through 35, talking about what moves God. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Hall of Faith. It's a marvelous chapter. If you haven't read it in a while, go and read it. And because whenever you want to find a true definition of what real faith is, you ought to read Hebrews chapter number 11. In verses number 33 and 35, I want you to hear what the people of God did in those days. Listen to this. It says, who through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised again to life, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that the kind of faith that you envision? These people, watch this. These people were relentless in their pursuit of God. Some of them were tortured. They were beaten. They went through all kinds of stuff. And we want to say, well, why, how did God use those people? Let me tell you how God used them. Because they had one, this tangible ingredient it was faith. The Bible says many of them had not even received the promise yet, but they embraced it afar off. They believed that no matter what, that God was going to answer, that God was going to come through for them. And so they went through torture. Some of them got sawed into half. Some of them were bruised and beaten. They went hiding in caves, hiding in rocks. Yet the Bible said that this world was not worthy of them. But what was it that God used them? They were ordinary people just like you and me. But they had this ingredient, faith. If you read it, faith. They believed that no matter what they were encountering, that their God was going to come through for them. That's what real faith is, matter of fact. An attitude of faith suggests that I'm holding on, believing God, professing God's word, even though I don't see it with my natural mind or my, or my natural eyes. That's what real faith is. But a lot of people, they give up. The things get really, really hard. We lose faith in God. And then we discover that God won't answer our prayers. You ever hear people say to me sometimes, pray for me. And I do pray for people. But let me, let me tell you something. I don't ask everybody to pray for me. I just don't. Well, why, why, Pastor? Because not everybody has faith enough to pray. Because God is only moved by what? Faith. That's how you move God. It's not by your tears. It's not by manipulation. It's simply by faith. And so when I go to somebody and I say, can you pray for me? I know that somebody with faith, and whenever you want, if, if you're struggling with faith yourself and you really, really want God to move, find somebody that you know that know how to pray with faith and get them to come into agreement with you. Because faith is what's going to move God and nothing else. Hebrews chapter number six. Are you there? No, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter number 11. Verse number six. I think it might be posted on the screen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now watch this. Now you may be saying, well, Pastor, what do you mean? What do you mean when you talk about this? You got to have faith. I'm going to show you this morning when you leave this place. When I'm done with this sermon, you're going to have a whole new uh, understanding about how to move God. Because I want you to get this into your spirit. Faith moves God. 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 And I'm not crazy. I want you to hear that. But look at this. He says that in, 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 in verse number six, he says, but without faith, it is impossible. Does anybody have uh, any idea what impossible mean? Not incapable. Can't happen. He said without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says that Noah had this testimony that when, before God took him, that he pleased God. And when you please God, how many know God is ready to move on your behalf? 
But he said, now, without faith, it's an impossibility. There is no way that you can please God without faith. So we understand that this is critical. It's impossible. He says, now, now uh, he that come to God must believe that he is. Obviously, we have to believe that God exists. You can't come to God thinking, well, you know, I wonder if God is there I wonder if he's listening. I wonder if he's, you know, I'm not really sure. He said, first of all, you want to come to God, you got to come to him with faith. You got to know that he is, and he is not just, he is meaning that he is the Alpha and the Omega. You remember when, when, uh, when Moses, when God was calling Moses to go minister to the children of Israel, to go and, and get them out of Egypt, and the first thing Moses said, God, who shall I tell them sent me? God said, you need to tell them, I am has sent you. See, how many know that he is Alpha and Omega? He is the all-sufficient one. He is the king of glory. He is the answer to all of life's problems. You got to believe that when you approach God, that I know that my God is not only able, but he is willing to deliver and to bring about what I'm believing him for. But he says, and, but it goes a little bit further. He says, you got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Wow. That is the formula. You talk about formulas. There it is. God says that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now, we have coming up in a couple of weeks, the last week of October, what we call consecration week. You have an opportunity to diligently seek the Lord. I know it's going to be a sacrifice because some of you say, I don't know if I want to come to church five days in one week. That might be. Let me tell you something. He said in his word, listen to this. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. How many know that if you come to church five straight days a week, you're probably being diligent about seeking him. And that time that you would normally be eating, we're just asking everybody to put aside their food and come and pray and seek the Lord and believe that God is going to reward you because he said it in his word that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Don't tell me that you're wanting and you believe in God for something and yet you're not diligently seeking him for it. Come on, talk to me. Are you with me? diligently seeking him. He says he's a rewarder. So I know that when I come to God, I believe that he is. I know I got to come with faith because without it, I can't please God. It's not going to happen through you, through anything, your formulas, your tears, your, your complaining. How many know the children of Israel? Every time they complain, what happened? God shut them down. Every single time they complained. But it wasn't until somebody stood up like Joshua and like Caleb and say, we shall by all means go up and take it for God is with us. Let me tell you something. It was that kind of thing that moved God. God one time said, I want to kill the whole nation of Israel. He told Moses, I want to wipe them all out. Why? They didn't believe him. The sin of unbelief is a terrible thing. It hinders everything God wants to do in your life. You want God to move. You want God to do things for you. You got to have faith. You got to believe. You got to believe. Turn with me to James chapter number one. And we're building to someplace. I'll just, I'm just laying this foundation. And that doesn't mean it's going to be extra long. So you can whew, take a deep breath. Hallelujah. But James chapter number one. <laughs> Oh, this is so good. If I can get, I just feel like I just want to just 
take all this stuff and just open your head up and just drop it in there. But, but look at this. He says, starting in verse number five, James one, verses five through eight. If any one of you lacks wisdom, is anybody in the house that's lacking some wisdom on some things? Oh, there we go. Huh? Okay. So we got some folks that are lacking wisdom. So the Holy Spirit is talking to you now. God is saying, listen up. He's going to tell you what to do, how to handle that. He said, now, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. All right. So now here's the invitation. So we understand that God wants to answer your prayer. Do you hear me? God wants you to come and he wants to answer your prayer. God said that he withholdeth not. Isn't that what it says? And, and it says that he said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Watch this. And without reproach. And it will be given to him. So here's what God is saying. If you're needing wisdom, if you're needing direction in life, if you're wanting some understanding, he's saying, come. But I mean, no, there's a condition. What is the condition? Look at verse number six. But let him ask what? In faith. Watch this. No doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want to answer your prayer. I want you to come. But if you come and ask me, you must come in faith and not doubting. Not doubting. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews, I believe, chapter, I believe it's Hebrews chapter four. Or Hebrews chapter 11, uh, I think it's Hebrews chapter 4, where it says that we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now, why would he tell us to come boldly? Because, you know, this is not a bold prayer. This is not a prayer of faith. Lord, I, I come to you. Lord, I'm really praying. I'm hoping, God, that, that you would just come through for me, Lord. Lord, you know, I've been, been kind of believing this, Lord. I'm not sure about everything, Lord, but, but Lord, I'm, I'm really hoping, Lord. You know, I, I had all these problems, oh, Lord, and I, I'm, I'm struggling, and I'm just, you know, it's just terrible for me, Lord, but I'm just, oh, God, I'm just really, really hoping that you come through for me. How many know that that's not coming boldly to the throne of grace? See, to come boldly to the throne of grace. Here's what God is telling you. God, Pastor Gary ain't telling you to come boldly. God is saying come boldly. He says come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find help, mercy, and grace in a time of need. So then a bold prayer is one that says, Lord God, I thank you that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, you know what my needs are. I need this. I need that. And Father, I thank you that you're going to come through for me. I thank you for hearing me. I thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer because the Bible says let the redeemed say so. You understand what I'm saying? And now I'm praying with an attitude of faith. And that's not a wayward mind. See, the Bible, see, that word double-minded is a person that is inconsistent and lacking in faith. Because here's what his other part he said to that verse. He said, a double-minded man, don't let that man expect that he or she can get anything from the Lord. Wow. So God is saying, if you're double-minded, oh, God, I think you're there. I think you're going to hear me. I hope you answer. Are you, okay, I think you're going to answer. Yeah, you, I think so. Oh, one minute, oh, he's going to answer. Next minute, oh, I'm not really sure. A double-minded man, the Bible says, is unstable in all of his ways. 
In verse 8, he is double-minded and he is unstable in all of his ways. Therefore, that person cannot expect to receive anything from the Lord. So say that we're coming to pray. We're believing God. The attitude is, and, and I know sometimes people, I hear people say, well, pastor, what if? What if God doesn't do this or that? Well, let me, can I, can I uh, say something up? When you read Hebrews chapter number 11, do you see any what ifs in there? Mark chapter number 11 talks about saying, have faith in God. He said, if you see that mountain, speak to it and you will have whatever it is that you say. And if you believe it and you don't doubt in your heart, you will have what you say. Well, I'm not really sure. Well, let me tell you something. It's not your job and my job to worry about what if God don't do this or God don't do that. We all already understand that God is sovereign. Are we right about it? I know that God ultimately is going to have his way. But he tells me and you that when we come to the throne of grace, we have to come with faith. We have to come and believing and not doubting. So if your prayer is not a prayer of faith, then probably in all likelihood, you're not going to get anywhere with that prayer. So if you pray and you say, God, I'm expecting God to heal me, then proclaim that God is going to heal you. Say, Lord, I thank you that I'm going to be healed. Well, what if? Well, don't talk about what ifs. We can what if all day long. I mean, what if the building just cave in while we're sitting here? I mean, what if all my tires go flat when I go home? What if when I'm eating that steak, I get choked? You follow what I'm saying? You can what if all day long because you know, the bottom line is, that's not the way God called the people of God to live. He said, the just shall live by what? Faith. So you're believing God for something. You're wanting God to move on your behalf. Then you can't be double-minded. And you can't be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm not really sure. You just got to speak the word of the Lord and say, Lord, you know what, Lord? As long as you know that what you're praying is inside the will of God. You can't be praying for stuff that you know that's a violation of God's word. Everybody knows that. I, I don't think I have to say that. But as long as we know that, then you can pray with faith and come believing you're a God. He says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. I love this passage of scripture that talks about faith. This woman is the textbook example of what it is to walk by faith in God. Mark chapter number five. Hallelujah. Mark chapter number five. We'll start reading in verse number 25. Verses 25 through 34. Wow. This, this is a loaded verse. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. If you have the King James Version, I think it talks about an issue of blood or something to, the, to that effect. And has suffered many things from many doctors or physicians. And she has spent all that she had and was no better. Has anybody ever done everything you know to do and things get worse? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Is anybody, you know, like, it's like, man, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I think I did everything. And it seems like things just keep getting worse. Well, you need to know that's not the end of the story. Sometimes when things get worse, it's only set up for it to get better. You just got to go with the flow. Go with the flow. So she has spent everything she had 
and was no better. But that's not the end of the story. But rather, she got worse. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to get that. She heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She's not a woman. There's no indication here that she was a woman that was that, that, that had a deep relationship with Jesus. She simply heard about him. All right. Somebody told her there's a man named Jesus that can heal you. And I want to show you how powerful faith is when it's at work. And there's no excuse for us. We have a relationship with him. We have a deep intimacy with him. And this woman just heard about him. And it said she came behind him in the crowd in verse 27 and she touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, immediately, not a day, not two days, not an hour, not 20 minutes. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But when the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Now, let's let's deal with this. First of all, real faith in God Real faith in God is demonstrated. How did this woman demonstrate her faith? Well, first of all, we can probably safe to say that Jesus had hundreds, if not thousands of people always following him. This woman is hemorrhaging. She got a she got a blood problem disease that she's had for 12 years. So there was probably some discomfort. She's having to press through the crowd. She's having to go through some stuff in order to get to Jesus so that she could be healed. So real faith is demonstrated. So in other words, if you tell me, well, pastor, I'm believing God, then here's what I'm going to ask you. Then what are you doing? What have you sacrificed? What have you did? What have you gave? What is it that you have done that would suggest that you really believe in God? Because real faith, faith that all works is what? Dead. This woman demonstrates her faith. So when somebody says, well, I believe God, then you know what? There should be something there that shows that you believe God. If you really believe in God for what you said, then what are you doing to prove that you really believe God? Because you say, if you say you believe God, then what's up? How come, how come your life things are not matching up with what you say? Come on, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Real faith is demonstrated. Her faith was demonstrated when she pressed through the crowd. And this woman was persistent because she went to doctors. She went to everybody. You know, she could have just gave up and said, you know what? I spent all my money. She was broke. She didn't have any health insurance. And interesting, we're not even going to get into that debate. She had, she had nothing. She was done. Everything she had was all gone. And so somebody says, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about him? And she says, I'm going to go. And you know what? 
if I got to climb over some people, if I got to knock some people out of the way. You remember the story of Brian, uh, blind Bonimaeus when he was by the road? He heard about Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He heard about Jesus. And this man, he said, Lord Jesus, heal me. Heal me. He's calling out Jesus' name. And all the disciples and everybody else saying, shh, shh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Jesus, Jesus, son of David, son of and shh, shut up, stop. So what do you want? I need, I need my sight to be recovered. Now, everybody else around him was trying to tell him to shut up. But boy, when you really got faith and you're believing God for a miracle, you ain't got time to listen to folks who are walking in doubt and unbelief. When you are really seeking God, you'll lose your religion real quick. You'll drop that makeup real quick. Because when you're in a crisis situation, you really don't care, do you? I got to get a word from God. I want my healing. And everybody kept saying, shut up. He said, no, you shut up. Jesus! Jesus! He didn't let up. And you know what happened? He got his healing. And I'm sure there's some folks that were saying, what's wrong with you? I'm sure when that lady was pressing through that crowd, there were some folks saying, excuse me. What are you doing? I'm sure she probably knocked down a couple of people. Because the Bible says that she said in herself, if I just touch his clothes, I'm going to get it. So you can almost see the picture that she's just going over some stuff. And she's knocking people over because she's trying to get to Jesus. Because I knew if I can get to him, I'm going to get what I want. What kind of faith do you got? Do you got faith like that? Oh, gosh. She said within herself, watch this. She didn't say, if I can get to Jesus, he might heal me. I mean, read it. It's right there. Look at verse number, uh, what verse is it? Verse number 28. Does it say, if only I may touch his clothes, I might get healed? What does it say? I shall. That's what the New King James Version says. I shall be healed. In other words, this woman's attitude was not, oh, I hope maybe God might. It was, no, I'm going to get healed. See, this is the attitude of faith. This is how we ought to approach God. If, if I can just get to where he is, boy, if I, let, me, let me bring it home. Boy, if I could just, boy, if I could just get to church all week next week, I know God's going to deliver me. Oh, if I can just get in a place where I can be alone with God and I can touch heaven with faith, I know that God is going to answer my prayer. I know that God is going to bring me out. I know if I can just get to him, he's going to make a way for me. That's faith. That's the attitude that we got to have, people. That's the attitude that we need to have every time you come into church. If I know, if I can get to church on Sunday, God is going to minister to my need. You got to come with faith. If you come with no faith and no expectation, how many know that's what you get? I never walk into a church. Every church service I walk into over the years, even before I passed it, when I walked through the doors, I was filled with faith. I'm just believing God. I walk in and and I was one of those guys, I have to get in the front seat. I used to drive my wife crazy because I'll be, you know, we used to go to church out in uh, when we first got married. Uh, Temple Hills, Maryland. John Cherry. I don't know if you know him. Uh, Full Gospel Amy Zion Church. First church we had joined when we came here. And it was like, I'd, I'd say church was 2,000 people. 
And boy, and I would get there like 30 or 40 minutes early because I came up in the front seat every Sunday because, you know, it was a lot of people. And I said, and I was just like this woman, I got to get to him. I got to get into place. I want to be as close to God as I possibly can. So you know what I do? I come up and I sit right in the front row and I had my stuff, my pen. I was ready and I would be preach. I'm thirsty. Give me a word. What am I doing? My expectation level was I'm believing God for something. If you ain't going to believe God, why bother? Come on. If you're not going to, if you say your God is able, then come on, let's do something about it. Let's say, okay, God, let's let, let the world know by our faith what we do. Real faith is demonstrated. This woman was confident that she was going to be healed. And in fact, she was instantly healed. Glory to God. Her faith was so tenacious. Boy, this is so good. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Lord. Her faith was so tenacious. I want you to get this picture. Disciples thought that Jesus was losing his mind. Everywhere he went, crowds were always around him, right? And so Jesus says, the woman touched his clothes, and, and, and Jesus says, who touched me? Her faith was so tenacious that it caught Jesus by surprise. And he's walking along the way, and he just stops it. Who, 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 who touched me? And his disciples said, Lord, that people have been pushing up on you all day. What are you talking about? I mean, Lord, I mean, what are you talking about? There have been people bumping into you, pulling on you. Because how many know there was a crowd always following Jesus, right? And everybody was coming for something, right? But guess what? Hear this. What was the difference in all the other people touching Jesus versus this woman who had the issue touching Jesus? What was the difference? Faith. Because everybody else who was touching Jesus, they were the ones that was like, I hope you can heal me. I wish you can do something for me. I hope I'm not really sure. I'm kind of curious. I'm not really. You know, Jesus had a whole bunch of people that was following him that were curious. They didn't really have faith. They were just like, I'm not really sure. Let me see. But no, no, no. And so all the other hands that was touching him and thronging him. And that's why the disciples looked at him and said, what are you talking about? Who touched you? I mean, there are people all over you around. They've been touching you all day. What's the problem? Jesus said, no, no. He said, power has gone forth from me. Somebody touched me. You see what faith does? Faith moves God. Faith moves God. And so when this lady touched him, she was saying, if I can get my hands on him, I'm going to get my healing. I'm gonna, and, and, and Jesus, he stopped. Let me tell you something. When you come to God that way, all heaven will stop and say, you know, that scripture in the Bible says that God's eyes are looking to and for the entire earth, looking for somebody to whom he can show himself strong. Why is it that God got to look for somebody to show himself strong to? Jesus said that when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? That's what Jesus wanted. Jesus, when I come back, are there going to be some folks down here that's believing me? Or are you throwing in a towel? Or are you saying it's too hard? Or, or have you given up? You lost faith because you've been believing. You believe, have been believing 
Things haven't shaped up the way you wanted it to shape up and you've given up. Or are you going to be a person that's still professing and walking in faith and believing your God? Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? See, the people with faith are the people that move God. God has stopped and say, who touched me? But did you touch me? And she said, the Bible says she was trembling. She was scared to death. She knew she'd been healed. <laughs> she touched him. And she knew that she was healed. And Jesus looked around and he saw because she was affected. See, when, when you're really walking in faith, you get infected with that faith bug, people start noticing. You kind of stand out a little bit. That's why they killed Stephen in the Bible. Remember Stephen? First, so-called the first deacon in the book of Acts. Stephen was a man of faith. The Bible said that boy was powerful in faith. He spoke words of faith that people got so mad they killed him. They gnashed their teeth because he was preaching the infallible word. They couldn't, I couldn't stand him. And right before, he died, right before he died, he saw the glory of God. Heavens opened up and he's looking, right? And he's saying, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, forgive them, but receive me. That brother was standing up in faith. Standing up in faith. And the glory of God was all over him. Faith gets God's attention. And he said to her, woman, daughter, (laughs) look at verse 34. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, what made her well? Her faith. It wasn't her manipulation. It wasn't her good looks. It wasn't where she grew up at. It wasn't how much money she had in her pocket. It wasn't any of that. Jesus, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, if this woman just heard about Jesus and she had that kind of faith, so much so that Jesus stopped dead in his tracks, all the people that's touching him, this one woman, had the right attitude. She didn't really have a deep relationship with him, and yet God moved. You remember the woman that was, who asked for, I think she was a, a Syrophoenician woman, that she was asking for God to heal her daughter or something along those lines, and, 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 and he said, uh, you know, I can't give the children's bread to, to dogs, and he was kind of saying, and then she said, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumb. Jesus, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be unto you according to how you ask. Faith moves God. That's, I mean, that is, that is your key. That is your answer. God has given us. And so we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. We can come believing that our God is able and he will do exactly what he says. Another scripture says that all things are possible to him who believes. I love sports. I'm closing with this. I love sports. I always have loved sports. But in some sports venues, they have this thing called, they can sell you certain tickets. It's called an all-access ticket. And the all-access all access ticket is, is like no other ticket because, you know, Tickets everybody else get, they're limited in what they can do, where they can go, and what they can get involved in. 
But when they give you an all access, what they're saying to you is there is nothing that is withheld from you. You have full access into everything. Faith is your all access card with God. That's why he says that with God, all things are possible. Do y'all hear me? Y'all looking at me like he's with God. Do you hear what God? Listen, do you hear this this morning? With God, all things are possible. You mean to tell me that's a yes. You mean that God can? Yes. With God, every day you can live knowing that all things are possible. That's the beauty of walking with God. If I, if I, if I could get enough courage to ride a roller coaster, you know, it's kind of like I just can't do it. But, but, you know, it's like the thrill of riding a roller coaster from what they tell me because I don't do it. If they like that, that dip, that turn, that twist where they're not really sure where they're going to end up. It's something about just that falling and kind of losing control momentarily. That, oh, I just like it. It's a thrill. It's a thrill. Because when you're walking with God, the beauty is knowing that when you're on a roller coaster of God, he'll take you through some dips and some turns. It's exciting because you don't know what loop he's going to take you around sometimes. You don't know how it's going to end up sometimes. But you know that your God's going to come through for you. And every day of your life, you can say, you know what? I'm going to pray and believe for that. Well, why not? What else do you have to lose? If you believe in God for healing, for financial blessing, godly children, house, a job. What else do you have to lose? Why not say, you know what, God, I'm going to believe you today. Instead of speaking doubt and belief over your situation and talking about how it's not going to make it or how that I don't know if I'm going to. Instead of doing that, why don't we just start speaking words of faith? Why don't we just start saying God's going to I know God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. That's my prayer every week. Why do I pray that? Because I want to lead you with that thought process that when you walk out of those doors, that you walk into a whole realm of possibilities that awaits you. If you would just say, you know what, I'm going to take my all access card, which is faith, and access the kingdom of God. But this is the attitude that everybody has to have in our church, in your life, an attitude of faith and believe your God. That's how God moves. It's not by any other means. That's how God moves. Well, God, well, well Pastor, will God have mercy on, on me? So, yeah, you know, there was a story one time of Dalton Thomas. Remember Thomas says, Thomas said, well, you know what? I ain't going to believe nothing unless I can put my hands and touch them nail scars myself. I ain't going to believe nothing. I don't care. Everybody else was in belief. Dalton Thomas. We call him Dalton Thomas. So I ain't going to believe till I see it. And God showed up. And sometimes God would give me, you know, how many of you have been like not in faith and God just kind of showed up, just had mercy on you? Now, God would do that from time to time. But that's not optimum. You know, if your car has a problem and it's running, but but it's, it's, it's jerky like mine is right now. or I got little issues. You know, it'll run. 
But how many know you want your car running like that Cadillac? Optimal. I, like, I said that because I, I rode in Cadillacs for and they are really smooth. But you want to show that that thing is what? Running at its highest peak. So do you want to live? And see, this, is, this is where you got to ask yourself. Do I want to live below where God wants me just to say I'm getting by? Or do you want to live in optimum grace? Woo, glory to God. I want to live in optimum grace, whereas I'm, I'm right in the smack at the sweet spot of God's will. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting every, the, the, I don't want God to, I don't, you know, one of my biggest fears is when I die and get before the Lord, he says to me, Gary, you could have had this. You could have had that, but you were just so, you, you just was acting up. You wouldn't believe me. I'm going to be like, oh, no. That's what that scripture says, that God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. I believe some of those tears are going to be what it could have been. <laughs> That's just my little quirky belief. I don't, optimum grace. Maximize your opportunity. Don't be, don't be content with just making it. Don't be content with just getting by. Thrive in God. Be all you can be, as the army say. Amen. Every eye is closed. Every head is back.